Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki season two is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book. Joining me today is Julian McKenzie. Julian, how are you? I am doing very well. Yourself? Uh, we're talking about postseason hockey for in the Montreal August. Canadiens in, in August, right? There's a lot of layers to unpack here, but you know what? It's it's nice to have some sort of normalcy, and I use that term very loosely because nothing about this is really normal. But in terms of a day to day you know, hockey happenings kind of way. It, it's, it's normal. It, it's, it's a, it's, it's zero to a hundred very quickly though. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, I feel like, like just a week ago, it was like training camp and well, literally just a week ago was training camp. And now we're two games into a best of five series uh, to see who qualifies for the playoffs. So it is really fast and it feels really fast. And, and so I'm still getting adjusted to that. Uh, you know, we have hockey every two days. Uh, so far, and you know it's going to be back to back, potentially, uh, yeah. leading up to uh, the later games in the series as well. So it, it's a lot, but it's it's good to have some kind of this. I don't want to even say distraction because you know it's it's not really a distraction. It's just something something to do, I guess. Yeah, I, I for me, it's I'll say, it's funny you say normalcy because. Around this time in any other year that was, I guess, quote unquote, regular, we would be, this would be like a dead time. Like, like, like beginning of August is normally like a dead year for like a dead time of year for sports. Like you have baseball already have gone through the second is already into the second half of the year, but you're not the point yet where the playoff races are like they're slowly starting to get intense. Major League Soccer still has a lot to play through. At that point, the CFL, a bit of the same deal as well. Like we're kind of in like the doldrums. Like if you see it on TV, like, all right, I guess I'll watch the Ottawa Red Blacks play like fine. But this past weekend, we had a day where you had hockey start. You had baseball. You had soccer. 
You and, and not just MLS soccer. You had soccer across the pond as well. The FA Cup final was on. Mark Dumont gets to be snarky because of the fact that Arsenal wins the FA Cup. So good on you, buddy. Um, we had all of these different sports that were on all at the same time. And if I didn't have to go to work later on that afternoon, I would have sat on a couch and have just channel surfed for hours on end, going from one sport to another, to another, to another. And even if it was just one day, and I mean, not really one day, there's going to be other days with this too. Let's, let's embrace the fact that even if this is a semblance of normalcy, this is not normal. And while there are much more important things that we need to kind of think about in terms of the coronavirus, in terms of anti-racism protests, which I, I hope we can at least touch off on some point in this episode. I, I just think that the fact that we have sports back and they're back in the way that they are kind of en masse is like the weirdest thing to consider. And maybe we shouldn't necessarily embrace the fact that it isn't normal. We're just kind of at a point where we're, we're just kind of left to accept it. And if these things are going to be on, I mean, I, I guess we might as well watch. I mean, we're in a position now where we make some sort of living off of sports being on. So we can feel conflicted in one way, but on the other side, we're, we're, we're able to make, again, part of our livings having these sports on. But it's it's just, it's weird. It's it's wild. I didn't think I'd be watching the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, play, having hockey in August is one thing. But considering the Montreal Canadiens team that we saw this year at different points, like before the pandemic kind of came in, I was like, I literally, I had a point, like a couple, like two games before everything shut down where I was like, Man, I can't wait for this season to be over because of how dreary these games were. And look, like, yeah. be careful what you wish for. We're like six months later, look where we are now. The Montreal Canadiens are are in a series with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It, it doesn't make any sense. So at this point, everything is just weird. Just accept the fact that it's just weird. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the the abundance of sports. It's funny because I guess about a week or two before. The NBA and the NHL started. Baseball started. I didn't even and the NBA. What, yeah, and, and what I noticed about about the 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 week, the first week or or two of, of when baseball started, is that there were a lot more baseball games on TV mm-hmm. than there typically would be, and a lot of that is because you know ESPN doesn't have to send broadcasters to the booth in order to to broadcast games, so they could just pick up a feed and be like, hey. I mean, they had guys not even in studio. They had guys on on Zoom, and that's something obviously they did for the Korean baseball league, right? Mm-hmm. They would have people calling from their homes, calling games, and they did that for baseball as well. So for them, it was just easy to get. First of all, they need some sort of content, and second, there's so there's tons of baseball on TV. I, last night after the or on on Monday night after the Canadians game, I'm flipping. And there's basketball and there's hockey. There's no baseball anywhere to be found on any channel. And it's just like, it, it obviously, you know, with Canadian TV, the, you know, TSN pays a lot of rights for the NBA. Obviously they don't have any NHL Sportsnet pays a lot for NHL rights mm-hmm. and they, they have NBA as well. Um, or they're going to have the playoff games, I guess, uh, for the Raptors or so at least, you know, split them with TSN. So it, I understand why it was like that, but that was just jarring. And obviously you had, you know, the MLS when baseball was starting as well. And, that's that's a little bit wrapped up right now, and yeah, it's man. I I don't really follow college basketball. Like I I, I have an eye on it. Like I like watching it. The first couple of days of March Madness, when there's 16 games per day, when they're they're getting from 64 to 32 teams, mm-hmm. that is just the best. Yep. I, I I you know I take days off work you know just to sit in front of the TV and watch, you know the basketball. That's what I kind of feel like with like six six hockey games a day right now. And you know, the round robin games are kind of they're not really all out, you know, warfare like there would be for in the the short best of five series, but having, you know, on a Saturday and Sunday five games a day and now uh, the last couple of days until I guess until one of the series stops, you'll have six games a day. And it's it's just crazy. Like it's it's one game ends and the other one is getting underway and uh, they've done a really good job scheduling it, and, and it's just it, it's it's gone from so little to so much that it, it's you can't help but get overwhelmed by it. I, I don't know if overwhelmed is the right word. I think it's just. I mean, <laughs> at least for me, I'm trying not to like, you know, 
I even kind of do this with March Madness as well. There's no way I'm going to watch every single game that pops up. I like being – the biggest difference, I think, between what the NHL has uh, – and you can always correct me if I'm wrong, but versus what March Madness has where March Madness, like, you'll have games going on at the same time on different feeds. So if you realize, like, oh, snap, yeah. like, yeah. Dayton is playing Ohio in the second half and they're down by six and they're actually making a run for it, I could always flip back yeah. and forth between that game – and 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 Kentucky and Duke in this other bracket, these two heavyweight teams yeah. going at each other. Whereas in the NHL, you know, Carolina and the, Carolina and the Rangers are going to play each other. Um, I don't know if it's happened yet. How has it happened yet? Where we have, I mean, then again, we have six. We, I know we're at a point where we're seeing six games go on, but they're kind of staggered. Where you have one kind of starting after the other, and you don't necessarily have them playing at the same time, which. I, I don't know if that would have really worked. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I just think that like there's just something about how, I guess, kind of how exciting basketball can be where it's kind of back and forth and you have points being scored all the yeah. time where it gets super exciting. I don't feel that same sense of like, oh my God, like there's like, I can't like turn away from an NHL game. At the same time, to see that, you know, while there is some sloppy play here and there in some of these NHL games, for the most part, like, there's some flow. There's we're starting to see more physical play and, and fights between team. I know like fighting in, in hockey is kind of hit or miss. I'm personally more of a fan of just kind of the the chaos that just kind of happens out of nowhere as opposed to premeditated fights. But the fact that teams are willing to get physical now as opposed to what we're seeing in the earlier games where people where teams were a bit more tentative, that that's good. Like we're seeing like as close to the product that we normally expect from an NHL game just minus the tens of thousands of fans and including the ones who would throw hats onto the ice and the <laughs> three or four that were thrown much to Connor McDavid's displeasure the other day. But yeah, like it, <laughs> that was hilarious by the way. But like, I, I, I think it's so good. Like just to think about that possibility. Amazing. Yeah. Here's what I think, man. Like I thought just, just to focus on that, like you think like imagine if like a like a game would have the hats kind of fall from the rafters. Why you have one woman just come in from wherever just throwing three or four hats? Like, come on, man. Anyway, all that yeah, like come on, that's why. Anyway, all that to say, uh, the fact that we have hockey coming back the way that it is, uh it's I don't know if it's quite the same feeling as March Madness, but the fact that we have games all going on one after the other, essentially, as much as they are, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, but maybe I feel that way because I haven't committed myself to watch every single game. Because you're going to burn out if you do. There's no way to do that. Oh, oh for sure. And, and there is some overlap as well, right? You saw it yesterday when Connor McDavid had two goals by the time uh, Sportsnet's flipped from Canadians Penguins to to Oilers Blackhawks there was he had already had two goals at that point so I mean there is some some overlap so and obviously if games go into overtime there's definitely going to be overlap uh, especially in the later games that's just the way it is if the game doesn't last two and a half hours you know there, there's no there's no choice but to have overlap and when there's six games I think there's there's a hundred percent overlap because you have the in terms of Eastern time you have the two thirty start. Uh, and you have the four o'clock start, and there's definitely overlap there. There's no way to get around that. It's just the the way it happens, right? Because you have the twelve, the twelve thirty, uh, Mountain Time, and the two thirty, uh, the two th- uh, sorry, the four o'clock Eastern, which which is going to overlap anyway. When you have those those three games in each site, because you don't want games starting at nine o'clock local time in Edmonton, either, right? So there ha- there needs to be some kind of uh, the the schedule has to be condensed, That's but. Fair. You know, and moving on to, to kind of Montreal-Pittsburgh, because I think that's I, – I think a lot of people have been surprised by how the series has started. But I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it, it feels like playoff hockey. It doesn't feel like regular season. It doesn't feel like, you know, they, they had four months off. And, yes, it's a little bit sloppy and it's not as crisp as you would normally have. But in terms of intensity – it does feel like playoff. Hockey. I agree. I think uh, both teams, you know, like we saw in game two, they were getting kind of chippy with each other and, and, and you felt that intensity. And while the Penguins at different points kind of had lulls in their game and Montreal was kind of trying to get out of that, was trying to get out of their rut. 
I didn't one moment for one moment I didn't feel like oh wow this is a really boring game this is just the middle of the road regular season game because at the end of the day like Carey Price and we're going to talk about him I'm sure stood on his head <laughs> for the second game in a row and what we've come what we've become accustomed to in the playoffs regardless if it's the Montreal Canadiens or any other team is to see really great goaltending performances so I agree with you I felt Montreal and, and Pittsburgh uh, have have been playing some pretty good playoff hockey. I'm just more surprised that the Canadians, in a in a way, like kind of. I thought they would be a bit more overwhelmed than what I've seen in the first two games. I thought they'd be in a position where they'd be exposed as a team that was a bit too. And I know they have some speed, but considering the the speed that pe- the Penguins have, I thought they'd just be a little faster. And I haven't felt that for a second. And I think there have been some pretty good moments from the Canadians. One thing I keep seeing that they that they do a lot is they have guys who are pressing on on those opposing forwards. They have guys who are forechecking really well and and taking away pucks. There 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 are moments where the Canadians are are getting onto those pucks and, and they're and they're pressing Pittsburgh and they're not looking overwhelmed and overmatched. The problem is is just. At those moments where they do lapse, Pittsburgh is going to take advantage. And against the team like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, where I mean, let's 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 be real here. I get it; they're not the same Pittsburgh Penguins of old. But you have a chance if you have two top tier centers and guys like Crosby and Malkin. But the Canadians are, are again, like I mean, Crosby's Crosby's been scoring. Malkin hasn't necessarily scored yet, of course. By the time you listen to this, if you listen to this around game three and he scores, don't come for me. But still, like Malkin hasn't necessarily been as effective as the team would probably like him to be. It's Instead, it's just been Sidney Crosby who's been trying to hold up the fort. And, and the Canadians, they have a series split right now. They've they've been able to not keep everyone in check, but they're not overmatched. And I know Carey Price is is the guy and he's 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 been their best player. But that game one was they didn't look too bad. They just needed a finisher for, especially for game two. They didn't look terrible. There's things that can be done to give themselves more of a chance. Yeah. I I think that's the major takeaway through the first two games is that yes, there have been times when Pittsburgh has been, you know, the the better team and, and dominant, but at the same time, you, you seen places where Montreal can improve and these games are still close, in in fairness, to in, in in thanks to Carey Price, but you know Montreal's top six forwards, except for you know Nick Suzuki in Game One for the most part, have been pretty silent offensively, and that's a pretty easy path if there's some improvement there, to to get better. And yes, Pittsburgh can be better as well. But I feel that you're noticing that these two teams are much closer than would appear to be if you look at the standings or even if you look at the rosters. And uh, and again, Carey Price deserves a lot of credit for this, and we'll go a little bit more into him later on. But I feel at this point that what is happening is that there's a path. Like If you look at who Montreal's getting goals from at this point, you would think, oh man, they're they're going to be down 0-2 if the only players scoring for them are Jeff Petrie, Jesperi Kutkaniemi, and Nick Suzuki. There's going to be problems here. You know, no goals from Gallagher, no goals from Tatar, no goals from Deno, no goals from Weber, no goals from Armia, no goals from Durant. And, and it's it's almost like they're still very much – it's a best of three series and they have home ice advantage. Home, home right ice now. advantage, but I mean, it, it does affect them in terms of. <laughs> well, I mean, home ice, but I mean, last yeah, change. Yeah, exactly. That's a huge thing this year. I feel like, la- yeah, last change is more important than actual home ice Absolutely. advantage. In this, not only in this situation, but because every team is obviously playing in Toronto, in the East anyway. But that is the major advantage that Pittsburgh has, right? You know, if you want to put. Sidney Crosby against Dale Weiss, Mike Sullivan is able to do that. But now he's not going to be able to do that for the next two games. And the Canadians are in a position where I don't think a lot of people would put them in this position. And 
if you give Claude Julien the chance to match up at every faceoff, that is a huge advantage when you only have to really deal with two players. And let's face it, that's pretty much what needs to happen because what Crosby has, you know, two goals uh, on the thing on, on the series so far. And really, I don't feel like there's been a Penguins player that's really stuck out other than Crosby and Malkin. You know, Gensel's have been pretty good at times. Shiri's been pretty good at times, but Rust has been pretty good. But again, those are we're talking about the top six lines. Uh, sorry, the top six forwards, the top two lines. You know, Zach Aston Reese has not really been uh, a thorn in the side. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, Patrick Hornquist, and, and that plays right into Claude Julian's hands. And and I, and I, you know, we'll get into I guess the, the last two few games later on, but. Um, yeah, I just think that there's a, a a path for Montreal that may have not been there at the start of the series, and that winning game one was huge. Absolutely, absolutely. Before the series started, right, there was this huge conflict. Like, oh, do you want the team to win? Do you want them to lose so they get a better draft pick? They have a chance at first overall. And I feel like as soon as the series started, it was like that went out the window, right? It, it, Lafreniere was trending a bit. Uh, in, in the exhibition game, especially when Toronto scored in the opening minute. <laughs> and then, it, you know, it kind of steamrolled from there. And But as soon as Montreal showed that there was a chance they could win and that especially the young guys were, were better, I feel like it's kind of ta- died down a bit. And the, the only reason that came back up is because they lost game two and it's like, oh, okay, here we go again. We're going to lose. And then people are like, oh, wait, but there's, a, there's an upside to them losing. And, and I... I know that we agreed that there's no really downside to Montreal either way, if they win or lose. And I, I just think that it's it's the big revelation other than Suzuki and Cut Kinyemi has been Carey Price. And the biggest difference for me when watching Carey Price is he looks so much more engaged and competing than he usually does. And a lot of that is probably due to the rest. A lot of that is probably due to the heightened stakes. And, you know, he's coming, let's face it, he's coming to the end of his career. He was drafted 15 years ago. Uh, he's he's on he's on the back nine of his career right now. And he doesn't know how many opportunities he's going to get like this. So that's obviously part of it as well. But I think that knowing that Kerry Price still has that in him is probably the biggest um, factor, The probably the biggest win or positive aspect that the Canadians can take from this. You know what's wild? You know, we, we talk about the Canadians being in a position where they don't stand to lose regardless of what happens in this series. But I mean, in the sense that, you know, if they lose, they they get to be in the draft lottery and have a chance at Lafreniere. If they win, they win a playoff series, which will be above expectations. But I definitely think if this series goes the distance, that is the absolute best case scenario as a Habs fan. Because if it goes the distance and the team loses, you the Canadians could always say, you know what? We didn't win the series. The Habs fans could say, we didn't win the series. But Carey Price stood on his head. And if you give him a solid backup goaltender for next year, this team could actually very well be a playoff team. They can look at performances from guys like Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kakanyem. I think if a series goes five, more have fans will come away from it being optimistic than pessimistic. You're always going to have the fans who are going to be pessimistic and they're going to say, oh, you need a number one center and all that. But I think we're going to see an overwhelming amount of people who are going to feel positive because they'll know their team really gave it their all when everyone was it was saying Pittsburgh in three, but they gave it their all. They took it the distance against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And Carey Price looked as good as he's ever been. He hasn't been this good since the Hart Vezina year where he won both. Like I think it's it's really great to see Carey Price be on his game. And I think if he's able to kind of hold them up uh, from the back end at least and bring it to five games, at this point, Fabs fans really can't complain. And I, I think just, again, if you've got a point where they go five, that is a perfect scenario for anyone. Even if they, if they win – 
like, wow, like they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in a really great series and they can go on to the next round. Who knows what will happen? But if they lose that series, you're going to see fans. You're going to see some optimism. I think you're, you're going to see pessimism, obviously, but you're going to see a lot of people who are happy because they knew their team was not necessarily left out for dead. You're going to point out all the different people who did well. And you're like, well, hey, imagine if we get Alexi Lafreniere or even if we fall to nine. What if one of those teams messes around? And they say, you know what? Like, we're not going to take Jake Sanderson. And there he is. Like. The Canadians are in a position where they could still stand to do pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I think even if they lose the next two games, if they lose game three and game four, but don't get embarrassed, I think that that will be the same thing as if they lose in five. I think game one, and even taking game one to overtime, changed the mindset of people with this team, is that they are competitive. They can compete. You know, it's... There's, there's so I find there's more positives than negatives right now through two games. And yes, there are going to be negatives. This is a team that traded four players that are playing big roles on teams that are higher seeded than the Canadians. Let, let's, let's be real. Like Dale Weiss would never be on this team. He was hmm. struggling for ice time a week before the season ended or two weeks, whatever the trade deadline was. He, he, he was not getting on the ice because they had Ilya Kovalchuk. They had Nate Thompson. They had Nick Cousins. You know, that, that's, that's, we're talking about the fourth line. That's a fourth line right there. And, and yes, you're not going to put Kovalchuk on the fourth line. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? This is a team that, this, this is a team that is playing shorthanded. <laughs> you know, you have teams that load up at the trade deadline because they think they're going to play at the playoffs. And, and those teams are good. Look at Carolina as an example of that. They loaded up at the trade deadline and they have, they, they have Brady Shea who was traded from the team they're playing in the playing round. Like it, it's, it's, <laughs> of course they're going to be, you know, uh, the favorites. And, you know, by the time that this goes out, they might actually be win the series because they're up to nothing and they're playing right now. So as we're recording this, so, but, but honestly, it's, I don't feel like there's a negative here for, for the Canadians. I feel there's more positive. Like, are there holes on this roster? Absolutely. You know, th- there's a reason why this team is the 24th seed in a 24 team format. Uh, but at the same time, Jesperi Kutkaniemi doing his best Lars Eller impression right now uh, is probably close to best case scenario for the Montreal Canadiens. Like, there's no, there's nobody who thought this was going to be possible, uh, even entering this this series. And and you brought it up earlier with how these next few games are going to be crucial in terms of the fact that the Canadiens are going to get last change. So of course, if you see Sidney Crosby on the ice. Phil Deneau is going to get a lot of time against them. But against the line of Evgeny Malkin, the, you, I, that, was, that was definitely a discussion topic about, okay, which center is going to go up against Evgeny Malkin? The, I mean, he hasn't been all that effective. The Canadians have been, have been pretty confident either having like a Suzuki line or, 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 or Jesperi Kakanemi go up. Like there, there wasn't even a point where like Kakanemi dusted Malkin. Like what is going on? They All that to say, like these two players, Two young guys, two young rookies are not afraid. They're, they're playing pretty well. Kokanyemi, two goals through the first two games in this series. Nick Suzuki, I still can't get over the shot he had in, in, in game <laughs> one that led to that goal. That is great to see. And I know some people will normally be like, oh, Cole Julian doesn't give those kids a, a chance. And sure, maybe you could say, oh, you know what? He's kind of at a point where he kind of has to give those two the positions that they're at, but considering where the team is at and considering how well they played this year. But those two have made the most of their opportunity. And that's not to say that the Canadians' offensive deployment has been all perfect. You know, Max Domi is still trying to make his way up from the fourth line. But I think if you're looking at these kids like Kakanyemi and, and Suzuki, they've done well through these first few games and they've contributed positives uh, for the team offensively. Yeah, and the thing to keep in mind with Kutkaniemi is that he's actually 11 months younger than Suzuki. <laughs> and and it's kind of weird for people to, to kind of put their minds around. But yeah, there's almost a full year separating Suzuki and Kutkaniemi, even though Kutkaniemi has, I think, 40 or so more NHL games under his belt uh, and some AHL games, obviously. But it's something to keep in mind that Kudkiniemi is still really growing into himself as a player because, uh, you know, at this time last year, if you want to, or not this time last year, sorry, at playoff time last year, 
which is, I guess, in April or so. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick Suzuki was obviously leading his junior team to uh, a playoff run as well. Uh, you know, coming back from a lot of you know deficits in, in series and taking a team on his back, and and that was really when Canadians were like, okay, we, we're seeing what we're getting in Nick Suzuki. That's kind of when the the hype train started rolling on Suzuki, and and Kanyemi is is basically a few months past that. Uh, it, from from that point where Suzuki was, so it, it's it's something to keep in mind, and that's why the the calls of bust or it was a mistake pick are well, 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 well too early. It is you know to to just kind of tangent a little bit. Is Brady Kachuk a better player right now? Yes, absolutely. But I, I don't think you draft a player to see who's going to be better at twenty. Right, uh, you know, you draft the players who's going to have. And I'm not saying that Kokinami will necessarily do that, but anyway, it's well too early to call him a bust uh, or anything. And what what we're seeing now is that he's he's already a very effective player. Yeah, and right now, absolutely. Like the people who it blows my mind to hear so many people say that Jesperi Kokinami is already a bust. Right, like I would understand if he was a little older in his twenties. And he probably should be at another point in his development that he isn't at. This is a guy who, I mean, and also you look at other centers who've come up. You can you can name a whole bunch of them. The 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 Sasha Barkovs of the world, the Joe Thorntons. If you want to go even far back, in their first few years, they were not productive. It took them some time before they turned into quality, productive, and in certain cases, A grade centers. To expect. A lot of Jesperi Karkanyemi from the early onset was just foolish. And you're absolutely right. The fact that Brady Kachuk was at a point where, you know, he was already an effective NHL player, that made people think like, oh, man, like this Jesperi Karkanyemi guy is a bust. And they, the team should have taken him, should have taken Brady Kachuk instead. That being said... Jesperi Kokkaniemi, he's still a very young player, still showing promise at every level he's been at. I know there were a couple games this year in the NHL. They weren't so hot. He, when we saw him in the AHL, he showed promise. He was setting up plays. And now in the playoffs, he is he, he he's healthy. He looks a little bigger. You see the, the facial hair that he's trying to grow out now? He's trying to look like a little big man all of a sudden. And he's trying to play like a big man. And in some ways, it's it's working. So. I think if nothing else, like we brought up Carey Price earlier, the next best thing to be super positive about is the series that Yasperi Kakanyemi is having. That means, you know, he, I mean, if all goes well and he continues to track positively, like you can use what you've, you can use what he's done in the playoffs so far as a, as a big positive for, for his growth going forward. These next few games are going to be huge for his development. I don't think we'll see him playing for the Laval Rocket anytime I soon. I don't think. I think I think that ship has yep. sailed. I, I I I agree, and <laughs> I will treasure the few games I saw him in the Rocket uniform. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I was there for his first game in uh, in, in the Laval Rocket uniform. Uh, he was he was having fun, and th- that's the key. I think that the kind of pressure is off from a day to day grind, and, and just to kind of go into prospect development just a little bit in perspective. Ten years ago, at 22 years old, Carey Price was backing up Yaroslav Halak, mm-hmm. and I'm sure people were calling him a bust yes. at that point. And and that turned out to be pretty premature. Uh, another player that you know I'm, I'm thinking about because he's he's also in this play-in situation, Capo Kaka mm-hmm. of the Rangers, 23 points, number two overall pick. I don't hear very many people calling him a bust. You know how many points Jesperi Cut Kaniemi got last year? I'm you trying to remember. Thirty-four. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's not so thirty-four bad. points. That's not so, bad. so he 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 outscored Kako, but because people saw Cut Kaniemi as a reach at three, and Kako was a surefire bet at two, if not one, depending how you felt about Jack Hughes. It, there's it, it's perspective, right? Everyone thought Cut Kaniemi was going to be a bust as soon as the Canadians took him at three. And that's and so as soon as he had any kind of adversity or failure, people are like, he is going to be a bust, and, and that's just it's yep. just perspective, right? It's it's 
it's normal and I'm not blaming anybody for having we're, we're in we're in a world of not only 24 hour you know sports news and sports talk radio and things like that we're also in a in a world where people just don't have patience and that's I'm not talking about the sports world I'm talking about the world in general Right. If you write an email to someone and they don't respond in an hour, you're like, oh my God, what's going on? Did they see it? Did they, uh, are they hating me? Like, are they ghosting me? That's just the world we live in. It, it, people, there, there's no more, you know, patience is, is really something that's, that's gone away. And, and I'm, again, I'm not, I don't think what I'm saying is that, you know, outlandish, but I. Can I, can I, can I just bring up somebody who I think fits what you're trying to say? like perfectly to a team. Like I know Jesperi Kakanyemi, a lot of people are are kind of rushing him and they're all like, oh, how come he's not playing like Brady Kachuk? But dude is still relatively young, still has ways to go as a player. But if you want to talk about somebody who fans have been impatient over pretty much since he got to this team and these last two games have not helped his case at all. And I think I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Jonathan Drouin, like, like, like I can tell you right now, like I had people in, I had someone in my, in my, in my DMs today, randomly just like, uh, like I wrote, I wrote a column for the Gazette and I mentioned Jonathan Drouin struggling and someone just randomly wrote to me like, he's garbage, $5.5 million to lose the puck. Absolutely no heart. And I'm sure if you go in the comments of the original story, you'll find more criticism about Jonathan Drouin because Jonathan Drouin, unfortunately for him, a player who has wanted to be in this very position. I think last year during the uh, the locker cleanouts, I don't remember the quote specifically, but I re- vaguely remember Jonathan Drouin alluding to the fact that, you know, he would have loved to have been in a position where the Canadians were in the playoffs and people would have really gotten a chance to see how he would have played as a player. And through the first two games, the enduring lowlights for Jonathan Drouin, fortunately, consist of the, the, the missed penalty shot that he had in game one and some other turnovers that he's had between both games. And it's, it's unfortunate for Jonathan. I, and I, that's not to say that he should be completely buried and he's not going to have a, a good remainder of this series. He could still turn it around. The problem is, is just we, we looked at Suzuki. We looked at Kakanyemi. Uh, uh, there are other players on this team who, even if they haven't necessarily scored, they have brought their game. Brendan Gallagher hasn't scored in this series, but you know what Brendan Gallagher has been doing? He's been getting into Cindy Crosby's face and he's been trying to make his life hell. Like he's, he's, you see Brendan Gallagher out there. He is trying to fight. We've seen positives for Brett Kulak, who all of a sudden brought out a power move in game two toward the net, which I'm wondering where that was. We're seeing all these guys get all this praise. And Jonathan Drouin, look, I love, I like him as a player. And yeah, I, I love him as a player. I, I thought when the Canadians got him, I was pretty excited to see a player of his skill set come to Montreal. But I have to call a spade a spade here and quote Joel Bouchard. Through two games here, Jonathan Drouin needs to give more. I don't know if you have to pump in crowd noise so you don't have... So you make him think of the the Adam BB games he played in Mont Tremblant that had more atmosphere than some of the games he's played so far. But I I really think Jonathan Drouin, amidst all the struggles that he's gone through, he needs a break, and not like a break for like for like from fans. I mean, like he needs like something to go his way, so he could just kind of ride off that wave of positivity and just contribute positively. I'm not even asking for him to score every single goal just be at a point where he's just able to do the little things and contribute even if he even if it's just like okay he's digging the puck out of a corner and he's feeding a puck to the front of the net for Joel or for Joel Armia to finish like stuff like that just more of that he did that once in game two more of that and more people will be off his back but so far Jonathan Drouin I get why people have been impatient with him and I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit not not really disagreeing with you, but just I I I I'm willing to give him. A, first of all, what I'm going to say about Jonathan Drouin is he was uh, he's a victim. He's definitely a victim of expectation. Yes, because he was brought in as the French Canadian savior that is going to be uh, a first line player for years to come, and was instantly put up to center and on the first line, 
And his first game, I believe he set up Pacioretty for a goal in Buffalo in his first yeah. game. And people are like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. I was and- on that on that train. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely uh, was thinking, all right, this is the start of something special. And and he never del- he hasn't delivered to that point, and I'm not excusing that. That's not what I'm doing here. Uh, he hasn't been good enough. I want to be clear on that. And I feel like that soured a lot of fans, is because he got acquired for a player who would fill a need for this team. Let's be honest on left defense in, yep. in Mikhail Strugachev. Uh, but I, what I want to in game one, I'm watching game one, and he was struggling a little bit, but. I got this feeling about halfway through the period where he halfway through probably the game for the second period where he was starting to make get zone entry and then just lose the puck. And I, I said this in, in our, in our Slack channel during the game. I'm, I feel like Jonathan Jouin is like one, one bounce from breaking something open. And, and you kind of got that sense that he was there. He was making things happen and then in overtime, he gets that breakaway and he's making things happen. And then he gets that penalty shot. And I think that that just took all the confidence that was building up to that point. Because remember, he was injured for a few months before the season ended. He didn't get yeah. back into a game. So yeah. it, instead of four months for everyone else, it's been about six, seven months. I don't remember exactly the length of time, but at least two months before the break. And so... You know, he's finally getting his confidence back. He has that breakaway in overtime to win a play of a postseason game. And he does that. And you 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 can see him on the bench, and you just knew his confidence was shot. And yes, could he have shot? Was it maybe the smartest move? Maybe not. I'm not like I said, I'm not completely defending him here. He's not faultless. But you can feel that something was happening. He had, he did, he did, he did enough to get that breakaway in the first place. Yeah. He did enough to get that penalty shot. And then in game two, what I'm noticing with him is that his hands are just not there. And I think this is a behind a lot of the struggles that Pittsburgh is having as well. Skill takes time. There's a reason why the NHL preseason is like seven, eight games. It's because the hands are the last thing to come back. These players are all in shape. Right, the, the systems these players can pretty much do in their sleep, especially when they're not really changing things up, or you're focusing on one opponent. That that's that that stuff that and I guess Columbus Toronto game one was a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Columbus was ready for that one. Toronto was not, and I think you can pretty much tell which team was more structured, which team is more skill. Montreal is a little bit like that, but Jonathan Drouin is a skill player, and when he doesn't have his hands, there's not. Like a lot of offensive players, and we talk about this a lot, you know, street, the streaky scorer types, right? Mm-hmm. When they're scoring, they look great. When they're not scoring, they don't look that great. Max Pacioretty is another example that Montreal fans got on a lot, as opposed to, say, Alexander Radulov, who every time he was on the ice, he looked like, like Brendan Gallagher, like he was going to make something happen. Jonathan Drouin doesn't have that, you know, and I think that what's happening with him is that his hands are just not up to speed. And his confidence is shot. And we saw what kind of difference that confidence has on Jesperi Kotkaniemi, as an example. He's making plays now that he did not try in in the first part of the season. And he started to try a little bit in Laval, and that's where he got his confidence back. So I don't think he's been that bad. But again, Jonathan Durant doesn't have the luxury of being okay. He has to be great. Otherwise, people are going to get on him. And if he's not producing... It's twofold, right? So I'm not saying he's faultless. I'm just saying look back at that game one, and he was so close to making things happen. He was so close. He had, And it just wasn't coming together. And I'm really curious what lineup changes will happen and whether it kind of frees up the Canadians' offense. Because I do think that with last change, they have a luxury of not only – playing more aggressive, like maybe more like they did in the third period of of Monday night's game, but also, you know, being more aggressive in their lines as well. You don't have to insulate players as much if you know you have last change. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, I'm I just feel I, I feel bad for Jonathan Drew. I feel bad because he was getting there and then that breakaway that penalty shot happened. Man. 
And I think that that just zapped him. And he's already fragile because he had a, a tough year. Um, and so I, I just, I, I, I feel bad for him because he was close. And I said it at the time and I'll say it now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. And he has no leeway. He has no leeway. He, he wore out that leeway. That, he has no more rope with nope. the fans. And, and I'm, not say, I'm not saying I blame the fans either. I want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not completely saying that everything is, 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 you know, Jonathan Drouin deserves our support. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I understand both sides of it. I understand the fans that are getting on him. He's been not good. And I understand what's going through his head too. And it, it can't, you know, yes, you can talk about, yes, he's professional and things like that. But man, if you don't have confidence, it's, it's tough. It, it's tough. And, you know, th- think about your day-to-day life. If you don't have confidence in yourself, every day is like a grind. And when, you know, we don't, we don't live our lives on HGTV with analytics and, <laughs> and millions of people watching us. So, yeah, I, I, I see both ways. But, yeah, I mean, he has to be better. Let, let's be honest. And he said so much. He said as much on Tuesday when he spoke to the media. He said, I have to be better. So he, he's aware of it. You know, we're talking about a guy who did film in the offseason, and he had a good season. He was, he was good for, for a good part of the year, and uh, then he got hurt, and the team's fortunes went down with him. So it, it's, it's been a tough year yeah. um, for, for Jonathan Drouin, but, but he can turn around. He, there's still time to turn I, around. He could. I, I just wonder what will it take for him to, to, to turn that around. I mean, you have the line that he was on in Game 2 with, with Nick Suzuki and Yuel Armia – is is putting him back with with Max Domi an option? I mean, I think the way you have your centers right now of Dendo, Suzuki, Kakanyemi, your first three, like that's that's pretty good. Do you but do you want to do you want to jumble up those lines? Because because it's clear that Max Domi, even though he was on the fourth line with with Jordan Wheel and, and and Dale Weiss, like he's somebody who can. I still think the Canadians should should put him up there on on a third or a second line. I think he's someone who is able to help create some offense, and I think he's raring to be in a position where he wants to do that as well. And I think if you put him on a line with with Jonathan Joyne, they've shown some chemistry before. They've they've done things well together. I I I wonder if the key to things is to have those two on a line together. If anything, just put Paul Byron on a fourth line. With with like Jordan Wheel and, and somebody else have have Jake Evans take Dale Weiss's place or something because Paul Byron has shown he could play on on any line in this lineup. You can you can live with Paul Byron as your fourth line forward, but but Max Domi as a fourth liner, like I don't get it. And if if I think if it's at a point where putting in with Jonathan Drouin, even if it's on the third line, like if that if that helps matters, so be it. I, I I'm not I'm not gonna act like I know what would be the perfect way to, to jumble the lines. I just think that Jonathan Drouin, if we're at a, if he's at a point where he needs like a shot in the arm for confidence, like, I mean, he has to look at himself, but I also think one way that could help maybe could be pairing him with, with Max Domi, who I think needs to be bumped up anyway, or at the very least shouldn't be on a line with Dale Weiss and Jordan. Yeah. Lee. I think the main thing for Domi and Joanne and maybe pairing them up makes sense in this sense is that you have to get to not think about defense. I feel like Jonathan Joanne on the line he's in with Nick Suzuki. And we talked about it earlier, how Suzuki is being tasked a little bit with, with having to stop Malkin. I feel like that's too much for, for Joanne. If you have to think about, defense and defending Malkin and not making a mistake so that the puck ends up in your net, you're not you're not playing to your strengths as a player. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's maybe that's something you can do is kind of load up a line, say with uh you know Domi and Juan, just have them play against the the Marlowe Hornquist line or the maybe not the Aston Reese line. Well I mean even the Aston Reese line, they're very good defensively, but you don't have to think about defending them. So that that might be a way to to kind of free up and you know you say what, what could help his confidence you know just a bad a, a good bounce you right a good bounce or two would would go a long way too right the confidence is doesn't take a lot it doesn't matter how the puck goes in if it goes in and they say Jonathan Drew scored um, that that does a lot for your confidence even if you didn't have your best effort so I feel like that could be a, a way of of kind of freeing them up and that. That kind of goes with what I'm. I, I think should be the the goal for the Canadians is just go more aggressive, 
sitting back didn't help them in game two. They still gave up a lot of chances, a lot of shots. So why not push the envelope and try to attack? If Carey Price is playing like he is, you take your chances that you can, you know, chance for chance that you're going to score more on Matt Murray than the other team is going to score on Carey Price. And, and, yeah. and to be honest, that, that, that might be the, that, that should have been the strategy when Carey Price was in his prime. You, you can't win a game one nothing. You can't try and do that. Right, like you have to try and outscore or score more than one goal. Like it sounds stupid saying it because it's obvious, but you have to play to score goals. You know, it doesn't matter if you lose, you know, two one or or four three or five four or five one even. Like you have to try and make something happen. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that's uh, going to be very interesting to watch to see how because Claude Julien is not necessarily the most aggressive coach. Uh, but I wonder if he takes a little bit more chances, knowing that he has last change. So th- that'll be something to watch in, in Game 3 and Game 4 and maybe Game 5, depending on what happens. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.